Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 31 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be talking to National Senior Games athlete, Liz Sharp. Before we get to that, though, let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. This week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete is someone who has found confidence and empowerment through the sport of ultra running. Let's get to know Ruthie Loffey. My name is Ruth Loffey. Call me Ruthie. I'm 55 years old and I'm an ultra runner. I have a few whys. My first why is because ultra running is empowering. I was never a very confident person growing up and that continued into adulthood. While my personality is usually a very positive one, I hid my lack of confidence and internalized the fact that I felt like a failure. Running has helped me to overcome that. And while some of the growing in confidence happens as we become more mature and acquire more wisdom, that growth evolved a lot more as I stepped into the world of ultra running. I feel more comfortable in my own skin than I ever have. It's a great time to be a 55-year-old female ultra runner. My second why is because I love nature so very much. It's spiritual for me to run on trails, in mountains, and to find beauty in every environment when I'm running. I love to run in the different seasons and all the challenges that come along with that. My third why is because I love to encourage other people. I want to share my story, and while the usual reaction is, I don't even like to drive that far, if I can in some small way open up a door to something that could be their why, I feel I've made a small difference. My goal for this year is to complete my first 100 mile ultra. I ran Rocky Raccoon 100 this past February, and I had to DNF at mile 50 due to a pre-race injury. I like to say that DNF is a did not fail. I will take this learning experience as a challenge to come back even stronger. As an ultra runner, there are a lot of unknowns, no matter how much you train. It's how you deal with those unknowns that shapes you into a better athlete. It's never too late to start. I embraced ultra running in 2013 when I was 51 years old and I've never felt so vibrant strong and happy as I do now. Don't worry about what other people might think because it doesn't matter. The ultra running community is made up of many amazing athletes, some slow, some fast, some in between. But the love of this powerful sport is what bonds us together. I'm Ruthie Loffey and I am a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete, a woman who is living proof that it's never too late to have a second chance at glory. This is Liz Sharp. Hi, Liz. How are you doing? I'm great. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good to hear. You are Liz Sharp of Monroe, Louisiana. Growing up, you dreamed of competing in the Olympics in track and field, and at one point even qualified for the Olympic trials. But a freak accident derailed that dream. Now, over 40 years later, you've been able to rekindle your athletic spirit via the Senior Games, earning three medals in the 2017 National Senior Games, proving that with a little faith and determination, it's never too late to achieve your dreams. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a very quick moment to fill in? Well, the 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 basic, um, the gist of the whole thing is never give up on your dream, no matter what it is. That's very good advice, and I, 
I think it's so important, and I'm glad we're going to get into your story to really hear your side of of how you landed on on that because it sounds like based on my understanding it took you a little time to really yes to get there so before we get there i'm going to ask the big question that i ask all my guests and that is what is your age at this moment in time 70 years old so let's start from the beginning when did you start playing sports and what did your early athletic life look like i was very active athletically um i had two older brothers um my parents were, uh, my dad was a great athlete and my two brothers were great athletes. And if I wanted to participate with my family, I had to become an athlete. <laughs> Just to bond with them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what did you end up uh, getting into? Well, whatever I could get into, because when I was a young girl, there was not an avenue uh, to sports the way there is today. Yeah. There were not organized. There, yeah, there were no organized sports program. There was no pathway to the Olympics. Um, there was no coaches for women. It was predominantly a male arena. And um, unless you were somewhere where they had a women's, uh, you know, women's programs, which were few and far between. In fact, when I looked at college, I looked at who potentially had women's programs because I love sports. Um but my sport had predominantly been softball until I got to college. And then how did that change? Well, um, there was a woman by the name of Dr. Nell Jackson who had been in the Olympics as a sprinter and had been on the Olympic uh, coaching staff for the United States. And she saw me, I was at the University of Illinois and I was majoring in physical education and I thought I was going to be a coach or whatever. And uh, she saw me and she, what I did is I went out for, I don't know, indoor track or something like that because there was no softball at the time. And she saw me and um, she really uh, drew me toward track and field because she thought I had Olympic potential. So she saw that natural talent that you had in something that you didn't even realize that you could be good at. And and I'm trying to remember, I may have taken a track and field class from her and she saw uh, the potential. So was that the point that, did she tell you that you had the potential for the Olympics and then you started pursuing it? When did you start seriously pursuing getting into the Olympics? Well, I, I had the, the dream as a young girl because I sat in front of the TV and watched the Olympics <laughs> and it so inspired me. And I said, Hey, one day I'm going to do this. And, uh, but the, like, again, there was no avenue. My dad was military. So we constantly moved mm-hmm. and there was just, you know, being overseas, um, being in other countries, uh, being, you know, all over the United States. We were very seldom at a place where they had, uh, opportunities for young girls. So when I went to the University of Illinois and Dr. Uh, Jackson um, talked to me about maybe coming out for track and field, it was very difficult because I was a big softball person. But when I found out that she had been to the Olympics, it's like, you know, hey, maybe after all these years, you know, there's there's a potential here. If she's been there and she's been a coach, maybe uh, maybe I could learn something uh, from her. And, um, and really I think what I did is, uh, she had, a she would sponsor, she, she coached an, uh, an AAU team. And so in the, in the off seasons, um, I began to, uh, uh, participate in the AAU track and field. I didn't even know it existed. And, um, and then I think, uh, I just eventually went over totally into track and field as opposed to softball softball didn't wasn't in the olympics then (laughs) yeah so if if you wanted to achieve that dream you had to participate in a sport that was in the olympics at that time that's correct tell me how the process of how you ended up uh qualifying for the olympic trials well uh dr jackson was a good uh a good coach and she she uh really had talked to me about being uh, in the pentathlon because I had overall uh, athletic ability, but I was really interested in being a high jumper because my father had been a high jumper. 
Um, so she, <laughs> she would just stick me in events. And um, I really worked hard on the high jump. Uh, but I had, I seemed to have a natural ability in the discus, even though I was very small. And um, so my highest ranking was actually in the discus. But it's like she would put me in events um, if we were, if we, if we didn't have anybody in an event, a lot of times she would stick me in there just because she knew I would probably place. And, um, <laughs> she knew you better than you knew yourself at that time, probably like what you, what you absolutely. could do. Yeah. So she was placing you in, in different events and then, uh, then let's, uh, how did that end up leading to qualifying for the Olympic trials? Well, that, that's just it. I mean, I, I hung on to, to, determinedly hung on to high jumping um, and had had uh, Debbie Brill, who actually invented the Fosbury flop, not Dick Fosbury, but Debbie Brill, uh, the Canadian woman. Um, if I would have seen that before my injuries, I probably could have made the Olympics in that because I could, I could jump extremely high for my height. And, um, but I just, I couldn't master the, the the technique as well and uh but what i did is i competed in aau um in the off seasons and going to the um i I think uh i don't remember off the top of my head whether it was regional or statewide or aau nationals or whatever and if you ranked uh you know if you placed uh in one of these events and I think if you were, no, basically that's what it came down to. You had to place in, uh, in your event in one of these selected meets by the AAU. And you, then you qualified for the Olympic trials. What event did you end up uh, doing to place? Both the discus and the uh, high jump. Okay. And did you placed in both of those? Yes. So you, you, were, you placed in your sport that, or your event that you preferred and then the sport that your coach is like, you're really good at this, you should do this. Well, now the, 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 the discus just evolved and actually I was play, ranked higher in the nation in the discus than I was in the, the, shot, the high jump. I don't think I was higher than 25th in the nation oh, wow. in the high jump, but wow. I was number 10th in the nation in the discus. <laughs> <laughs> so again, your coach knew it's like this, this is where it's at for you. And I was small, uh, you know, but I just, uh, I had a, a knack and that, that's why I probably, if I would have listened to her and trained pentathlon, there would have been no question apart oh. from the injury that I would have made the Olympic team. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes, sometimes it pays to listen to the coach as it turns out. <laughs> so let's talk about the accident. I mentioned in your intro that a freak accident derailed your Olympic dream. Can you take me through exactly what happened? We were in uh, Denver, I believe it was Denver, Colorado, for the Olympic trials, and uh, you have to go to an orientation, and uh, there were, I think, three of us from the Illinois uh, track team uh, that Dr. Uh, Jackson coached, and we were walking across a quad. I don't even remember where we were. I just remember it being in Denver, Colorado, and uh, it, it was a damp morning, and there was a dew on the uh, on the grass. And I walked across, and I hopped over a hedge. When I hopped over a hedge, I had a pair of loafers on, and my feet. When I landed, my foot went out from underneath me, and I landed on my tailbone. And uh, you know, back then, uh, we didn't have tra trainers or team doctors yeah. or anything like that. And, uh, and it just never occurred to any of us that I needed to go to a doctor. What I needed to do was tough it out. And, uh, but I was in, I was such incredible pain and I did everything I could to, tr to try and, in loosen up. But you know, when you're a high jumper <laughs> yeah. and you land on your tailbone and, uh, so, so I did go and I did compete, but I, I was so 
so sore and so injured and whether or not I broke my tailbone, I really can't tell you because I never went to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I could not do anything no matter what, you know, I was, I was done. And, uh, and so, um, it just devastated me, you know, cause, uh, and so, um, you know, I was at an age where that was pretty much it. I had, uh, I think I was, had just graduated from college or just on the verge of graduating from, yeah, I was on the verge of graduating from college and, uh, and I was, uh, older and my coach was moving to New York and they're just the, uh, the window closed mm. and, um, and I just didn't see, I, I think it just kind of, you know, it just, it's just mm. like you reach out for a rope and it, and it, and it, and it moves away and you know, it's never coming around again. So there was, there were too many things. I mean, I, I still toyed with the idea. Um, you know, I, I graduated from the university of Illinois. I thought about going to Michigan state because they had a women's sports program for, uh, trainers. And, uh, I was really looking at that and, uh, I got accepted to Michigan state, but I, I couldn't come up with the financing. I, and so I, I just went in the army and, uh, <laughs> and that was kind of the end of it. So going into the army, how, how long did you end up, uh, being, uh, participating in the military? Well, um, between the, uh, Regular Army and the Army Reserves, it was 10 years. And I, I went in. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I imagine that that kept you fairly active, even if it wasn't, you know, in a sporting capacity. Well, you know what's kind of interesting? Um, people say that God works in mysterious ways. I went into the Army at 28 years of age, which is 10 years older than the average recruit. I had a college degree. And I was at a place where I had maybe three or four options. The University of Illinois had offered me a couple of scholarships um, for a master's degree, but they weren't in areas, you know, one was in like prescribed exercise. University of Illinois was extremely advanced in their, uh, their the University of Illinois is what uh, a guy at the University of Illinois invented the cold treatment of injuries. And, uh, Dr. Curitan is a guy that started the nation jogging. That all came out of the University of Illinois, and they were very progressive in their treatment of athletic injuries. And so they offered me a scholarship along those lines and uh, just a regular physical education uh, master's program. But I wasn't interested in that. I was I was more interested in uh, coaching or moving on, you know, and uh, – and so, and Michigan State at that time had it. So I went up there and I established residency, but I just, I don't know, I just went in the Army. And uh, and it was very interesting because when I went in the Army, they had not seen, they had not been exposed to a woman that could do what I did. <laughs> I'm sure. And so in, in basic training, it's like I ran circles around people. Uh, <laughs> even at 28 years of age, because I had trained for the Olympics and, and my, I had two older brothers. I could, I could shoot, I could drive a stick shift. I could, you know, just all the things that they didn't see in women in that era. Uh, keep in mind, graduated from the university of Illinois in 1974. And it was still an era where they didn't think women could do much. Yeah. Um, in, in fact, is when I was 35 and I was a sergeant in the United States Army, I was assigned to Aberdeen Proving Ground, and I wanted to buy me a little moped to go back and forth to work, $600. I couldn't get a loan. Because you were a woman? Because I was a woman. Wow. It's amazing how, how slow the progress has actually been. If you, I've learned this as I've been talking to athletes and particularly women athletes and it's like we think we've made so much progress but in terms of sports and athletics and and all the stuff we're talking about it's like it's actually been quite slow this progress well i'm gonna tell you what i would have given anything for a scholarship yeah. <laughs> i yeah. mean 
I mean, women now can, uh, you know, they, they can barter for where they want to go to school if they're a good athlete. I mean, we, we paid our way everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we paid our way to the national games. You know, we, we paid our way to the college championships. We had five women ranked in the top ten in the nation collegiately at the University of Illinois, and we had to pay our own way to the collegiate nationals. And that's just back in the, that's, yeah, that's just the seventies, you know, it's not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, so you were in the military for 10 years running circles around everybody. Yeah. What else were you doing to stay active before you found the senior games? Well, you know, I would, I stayed on a, just a mini training program because I knew, you know, how important it was for your body and, uh, and I found that when I didn't stay active in something, so, you know, um, you know, I played maybe a little bit of softball with some civilian teams, but there just, there wasn't a lot. When I got out of the army, when I got out of the reserves, I was in the South and there just wasn't, there's just not a whole lot for women. I mean, there is now, but mm-hmm. in the eighties still, yeah. uh, uh, there, there still was not a lot. So I, you know, I kind of would just go to the gym a couple of times a week to maintain, you know, so that I didn't become fat or, um, you know, I'd had a bout with rheumatoid arthritis. So I, I tried to just maintain a, a certain amount of exercise, you know, for the sake of my body. But other than that, I wasn't, I really wasn't doing anything. And at that time, could you even remotely envision being competitive again? No, never crossed my mind. So how did you find out about the senior games and like, how did you connect with that and think, Oh, this, this might be a new thing that I can do and, and rekindle that athletic spirit. I just, I want I just want to tell you a story Okay. before we get to that. If you don't mind, I don't mind at all. Please do. When I was in the military police school, I was with the, you know what, anything about army, you know what a platoon is. And I know basic. Yeah. Basic stuff like that. Okay. Platoon is usually 30 to 40 people and you have, Four squads make up a platoon, and usually four platoons make up a company. Four companies make up a battalion. So when you talk about the first full platoon of women to come through the military police school, that's that's who I was with. And uh, and it was quite an experience, if you can imagine. Yeah. You had a lot of guys coming back from the Vietnam War and the resentment toward anyone uh, particularly women coming in uh, in a large rate because the men were going out. Somebody had to maintain the army. And I remember when I was in military police school, I'm very, I'm very good mechanically because of my brothers and my dad, who was a maintenance officer in the Air Force. And um, that means he oversaw the maintenance of aircraft and readiness. And um, so... I was very quick with my hands and I, we were in military police training. And of course, women are not supposed to be able to put guns together and grenades and stuff like that, you know? And so, um, they would pit the men against the women, uh, to try and discourage the women. And one day we, we the, the contest was, we had to dis we had to take a disassembled 45 caliber pistol and put it together. And the first one to put it together in operating condition uh, was the winner. Well, <laughs> um, I kept beating my male opponents. And um, and after probably the fifth time, we got down to the finals. And the guy that I was competing with was so popular and so uh, apt. Uh but I was older and wiser. <laughs> <laughs> I put I put that forty five caliber pistol together so fast. And after I put it together, you you slide the the carriage back, like when you when you load it. I don't know if you know anything about automatics. I sure do not. Okay. Well, it, it takes a clip, so you have to chamber around if, if there was a clip in it. So you slide the carriage back, and when it comes forward, it brings the bullet with it. And then you can shoot it. So one of the things you had to do to show that it was operational, you had to slide that carriage back. And, of course, the gun's unloaded. You've just, you've just built the gun. 
I built the gun so fast, I slid the carriage back and I pointed it at him and pulled the trigger. <laughs> now, now, that's a strong finish right there. Well, because one, because I had two brothers and, and the guy was really, really trying to torment me with his comments and things that he did to me before we had the thing. But the, the, it struck such a voice in him. And, uh, and the other 90 guys uh, in the military police company that it was time to leave us alone and, and that we too can put a bullet in you. <laughs> and and it's, it's like I was constantly thrown into that kind of situation in the Army. And if it had not have been for the, for the incredible strive to become an Olympian, I would have never had that kind of moxie. You understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would have never. And so, like, because I had worked so hard and survived so much discrimination against women athletes and things like this, that when I went in the Army, they just didn't have anything left. They didn't have anything big enough to keep me down. You understand? That's right. And yeah. so, it's like, it's, so it's like when I went to this military police school, it just made a way for women to follow. You understand? Yeah. You were a pioneer in that regard. Yeah. And so I was thrust into so many situations that, that, uh, that, that Olympic training, the guts and the moxie to, to press through really, really helped me in the army. And so I was kind of thrown into incredible, tremendous, competitive situations but they were not athletic if that makes sense to you so it's as if in in a way you had been training this whole time right and so it's not like you were out of practice when this senior games opportunity came around it's not like it's been 40 years of you not training or doing nothing it's just been a different kind of training and in a way it sounds like even even tougher in a way because you you were you were laying groundwork for women in a in an area where women were not respected and and you were leading the way to change how how women were viewed and how women can participate in the military and yeah and how they were treated oh it was horrible yeah, yeah. it was horrible the things they called us i mean i had to look them up <laughs> you don't even know what they're telling you <laughs> i didn't know what they were calling me oh my you gosh know? yeah so it was amazing but anyway i I just wanted to tell you that story because it kind of yeah i think it's a, it's an important story and thank you for telling me that it's that's Hey, it's a really cool story. Now, after the fact, you know, I'm kind sure of funny you, now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure in the middle of it, it was, you know, intense and at times terrifying, but also amazing. Yeah. Um, but after the fact, it's just really kind of, if I may say, badass. Um, so you should have seen the expression on the guy's face. I mean, all the cockiness went out of him. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, uh, that'll that'll humble a man real quick. Yeah. So. Let's move on to the senior games. How did you find out about it and what sparked the idea that this is going to be the next thing for you? Well, I have a friend um, that I went, was in uh, college with and uh, at the University of Illinois. And um, she was my roommate uh, for a couple of years of my striving for the Olympics. And so she watched everything I got. I went through. And it inspired her later in her life um, to investigate the Senior Olympics. And so she became a walker, uh, a speed walker. Uh, And she would write me and tell me that she had competed in the Senior Olympics. And and I was uh, still so wounded, I couldn't, you know, I just said, oh, well, you know, it's not the real Olympics, you know. And uh, that's nice. That's sweet, you know, but I was just, I mean, I was proud of her, but I, I just had no desire uh, to participate. And then suddenly um, the last Olympics, Summer Olympics, was that 2016, I think? Um, I was watching the the Olympics and um, and there was an advertisement, I think, for Senior Olympics on the, uh, during the Olympics. And, and I looked at that and I thought, man, I wonder if that's doable. 
it's like maybe I'd been healed over the years or, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe something had taken place where, you know, I was willing to go try again. Yeah. You were, you were finally ready. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, so I called her and I said, uh, Brenda, uh, how do you do this? And she got so excited that I was thinking about it. And so she says, well, you have to qualify in your state and you have to call your state and yada, yada, yada. And I think she had the link because she had been injured. And so she was a volunteer. And so she knew a lot of stuff. So I think she sent me the link for the state of Louisiana. And so um, I contacted the people from the state of Louisiana. Actually, I went online and, um, and I signed up for the senior Olympics and I'm 50 pounds heavier now than I was in college. And I felt that it probably was not an option to, to try to high jump <laughs> at this point in my life. <laughs> so I um, looked at the weight events because I had thrown the discus and been successful. She would always try to put me in the shot put if we didn't have shot putters. And, uh, and she would put me in the javelin, you know, just whatever events that I could go to. So I elected to go with throwing events. And uh, so I figured because um, she had told me if you can place in the top three in your state, you can go to the Senior Olympic Games. And so that was my goal to figure out a way to place in the top three. Well, I didn't know that they had regional uh, competition. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when I looked on the website, I was like three weeks from the games or just just over three weeks from the games and I'm going, Oh my God, we, I need to get going. So I signed up, I paid my money. Um, and, and then I, I printed out all the rules and I didn't have a chance to read them. <laughs> and so like about five days later, I come back and I read the rules and it said you had to qualify in your regionals to go to the state. Well, the state was now like two weeks away. So I frantically got on the phone and I called them and I said, Hey, um, I didn't know you had to go to regionals. And the lady says, don't worry about it. She said, we've had so many floods in the state of Louisiana this year that we haven't been able to have regionals like we normally would just come to the games. Now, can you believe that? Wow. It's like it was like fortuitous. Yeah. She said, just, just come on. And so I didn't have a shot put. I didn't have a discus. And I certainly wasn't going to buy a javelin. And, um. So I, you know, we got Academy Sports and Dick Sporting, and then we got, I mean, this is a small town, but we got some stuff. So I'm running around. Nobody has any implements. No, Nobody carries shot puts or discus around right. here. Right. I was, I mean, or anywhere, really. Like, I can't, I don't think yeah. I've been to a sporting goods store, and I live in Los Angeles, that would have a discus <laughs> and a shot put. Like, that's just not something people carry because it's not something people buy all that often. But but they, they do, maybe they just do it at universities. I don't know. Probably. So, yeah. and and I knew I knew I needed special shoes, and nobody had throwing shoes. And I'm going, my God. So I get online and I find this everything track and field. I think it was up in <laughs> Connecticut or Rhode Island or something. And I get this nice guy on the phone and he said, oh, yeah, I can get that to you. He said, but it's going to take 10 days. And I said, but I'm only two weeks from competition. He said, well, we'll get it right, right in the mail. And so he says, because you ordered a shot put in a discus, we're going to send you a carrying case. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. And I said, yeah, I'm really going to look like I got some stuff when I walk in now. Yeah, you're going to intimidate people with your carrying case. Yeah. Obviously, you're a professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so I went out and found me a T-shirt, uh, you know, that I uh, could compete in. And so I just, you know, two days before I'm supposed to go down and compete, it's just like, this is crazy. You know, I had gone to Walmart and got a five-pound, five you know, hand weight so I could at least practice putting something, you know. Just throwing a but dumbbell? there was no way to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was no way, no way to practice discus, you know. I got out there and tried to do some spins. Ha. Huh. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the javelin, what are you going to do, you know. So I found a 
stick and I threw it a while, you know. That's what just you do, to, right? You try to approximate yeah, it so, as much as possible. So then I, I went down there and I had a shot put. I had a discus and um, and I borrowed a javelin. Thank God people have stuff. <laughs> right, as it turns out. And I just was amazed uh, that I won all three events for my age group. Wow. And I thought, boy, this, I said, this can't be real. I mean, there had to be some sort of divine intervention. You hear me? <laughs> and I could, I couldn't believe it because my goal was to place. I knew if I could just place in the top three, I would get to go to the senior games. And and I just was, but I ended up winning all three events, and it was not magnificent. It, you know, the discus and the javelin. I just stood there and threw them because I had no. I had no practice, you know, there's no way I was going to let loose a discus, you know, if I haven't done anything for 40 something years that it's not an everyday life skill. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. No, you're spinning around and throwing this heavy object. Who does that? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, there's no job out there that you're going to do that on a regular basis. Any of them. Right. not like it's not like running you know what i mean yeah but you held on to something it's raining i'm gonna spin around in a circle yeah it's you don't get up and say hey it's raining i'm gonna run to the car okay well i'm gonna put a shot to my car i mean it's just not an everyday skill i would not recommend doing that no (laughs) (laughs) so i went down there and i won all three events and i was just screaming of course the next three days i couldn't walk (laughs) but worth it totally worth it yeah yeah i couldn't believe it so from there so you qualified that was the qualifier and you qualified for the national senior games how long did you have to train for the national games um that was at the end of september and the games were in july i think the 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 games are in july of 2017 right i yeah i believe so last year so you had about six what six months or so yeah so what i did is i really focused on my weightlifting to try to increase strength and um and i went out and practiced what i remembered from being with dr jackson and and we had a lot of inclement weather so i didn't have any place to go it's not like you can let go of a discus in the in the gym you know no. so i was somewhat limited in in what i could do and uh, i work with a husband and wife that are pastors of a church and so sometimes I travel with her and uh, so I did some traveling in that time period so there was not like an everyday thing where I was able to go out now that I owned a discus and a shot and now that I placed in the the javelin I decided to order one <laughs> it's good. So, yeah you're like okay I, I can get serious yeah. about this I can have my own javelin now yeah a couple hundred dollar investment there and um so at any rate, um, and so about five weeks out, I went went over to the local university and asked them if I could use their circles, you know, and they say, no problem. Just when the track team comes out to work out, just disappear, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. so that, that wasn't problem working around their schedules. Um, but about five weeks out, I was concerned because I had kind of determined in my mind I, I went through and did some research on the competitors. And so I was looking at what it would take to, to medal. And so I had distances written down and I could not obtain them. And I was frustrated. And so I, I knew that I was either going to have to set up a camera or find a coach. So I started watching one of the young coaches at the local university here. And uh, I would stand around and listen to what he had to say. And he he spoke in the terms that I learned when I went to college. You know, um, the University of Illinois doesn't have a physical education department now. It's called Applied Human Science. And it's, but they were very strong in kinesiology. And so I learned things about the human body that a lot of people don't didn't know then. And so when I listened to this young man talk, he talked in those terms, so I knew what he—I knew he knew what he was talking about. And when I saw him coach these kids at the university, he spoke in terms that Dr. Jackson did. And so I—I I knew what he was—I knew that he knew what he was doing. 
And, um, and so I approached him and I said, would you consider, I said, I'm five week out, five weeks out from the senior games. This is very important to me. Would you consider coaching me a couple of times a week and helping me? And he, he agreed to do it. And I was just flabbergasted that he agreed, you know, here's a 70 year old woman saying, Hey, help me, you know, <laughs> and it turns out this young man had gone to the London Olympics and he was a shot putter and a discus thrower. How about that? Now you talk about divine intervention. I mean, it, it was beside myself when I found out. And his first coach in high school that so established his technique and his ability went to the University of Illinois. So it just came back to me. You were meant to, to find him. It was just it was just amazing. And so he worked with me five weeks. He did not give me an ice cube chance in hell of doing anything. You know, I was very enthusiastic, but we were just not getting the technique down. And so the first day I went and I won the gold medal in the shot put by one centimeter. Oh, my gosh. And your first event? My first event. Wow. And I text, I text him and told him that I won the shot put and he had a meltdown in Target. Oh, <laughs> His wife said he just went crazy. He could not oh, believe. Yeah, and then I've got I got second, I think, in the javelin and third in the discus, which frustrated me because discus used to be my best event. Oh wow! But you still medaled in all of your events. You got medals in all of your events, including a gold. I I got one of each. Amazing. And um, and so I came back, and my coach was more enthusiastic than I was. <laughs> I mean, I was pumped. But he, he was beside myself, and he got out all the records, and he started looking at everything. And he said, you know, if you can add four foot to this and ten foot to this, he said, you can set an American record. And I said, well, do you think I can do that? And he said, you can do it. He said, you've got two years. He said, you can do this. If we can keep you injury-free, you can do it. So he is so pumped. So I have taken about three months off and I'm getting ready to start training again. Amazing. And so, yeah, so I'll be hooking up with him, but he, he really feels that I have the potential. So I've, I'm excited. And, um, when I went to those senior games, uh, you know, you see these people coming in and they got these, I, I, I saw a runner come in and she had, um, a uniform on from the Olympics that I would have gone to had I made it and, and I had a chance to see that walk by me, you know, and you see a lot of people there in their old Olympic, um, uniforms Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're still just as fierce and they're still just as competitive and they're still just as determined. And I, it's like I told Dale, I said, Hey, I knew I was in the right place. Yeah. Just, just inspiring people all around you. Like how, Absolutely. How, how nice that must be to, and how it just must fire you up being, I, I would love to, to go to the senior games. I, I would like to go, not necessarily as a competitor, but I just want to interview everybody. But, um, but I just want to be around all that, like all that energy. They have such, they're, they're they never changed. Yeah. They're still competitive. They're still hustling. You know, the only thing is, is like my pastor says, Okay, so who do you think is going to make it to the next games? And I said, well, you know, whoever lives the longest. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess there's that. <laughs> <laughs> whoever lives, you know. And and I said, it's the only time I've been to Walmart and they sold out. It depends. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so um, now that you're back to being serious about competing, what kind of challenges are you seeing now as an older athlete returning to competition later in your life compared to what you experienced as a younger athlete? You push, you get injured. Yeah. When I was young, I could push. I could push, push, push. But now I push with the same determination I get injured. And so uh, you have to approach training different. Because mentally you might still be that younger age and you may feel like you can still push like that, but your body won't respond the same way. That That's it. You injure, you pop your knee out, you yeah. know, you pop your elbow out. Um, and part of that is because that, that muscle memory can be very damaging to you because that muscle memory will, will rise up 
and, and almost become fierce without you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so because you, there's no basis, because there there has not been a building up to that strength point, that's, that's one of the reasons you get injured, not just mm-hmm. because you're older, but because you don't have that same foundation. So that's what this coach is trying to do. He's trying to rebuild my foundation before he puts strength on it. Does that make sense to yeah. you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And very smart of him. Yeah. So we know the challenges. Do you find there's benefits that you're experiencing as an older athlete compared to when you were younger, things that are easier now? I don't know if there's things easier because I am a very active person. I have a friend who builds houses, and um, and so I... I help a lot of times with that. You know, if I have to build shelves or, you know, do something, do some painting or something like that. So I'm up and down on ladders a lot, even though I'm 70 and most people don't know I'm 70. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still pretty active, but the, the impact that it has had on my family and the people around me, um, they had me <laughs> at the gym, at the gym that I go to, they put a sign up on the wall that said home of Liz Sharp, uh, senior Olympic gold medalist. Uh, and they put it right over the room where all the silver sneaker people go. Oh. in. <laughs> so you're an inspiration to your community in your local gym. That's it. And, um, the, they had me come in and speak to a couple of classes and, and tell them, uh, you know, what I had gone through and, and to encourage them. And one lady had always been a diver, wanted to be a diver. She came up to me afterwards and she said she was like 69 or 70. She had always wanted to be a diver, but when she was young, uh, she almost drowned and she was afraid of water. And she felt having heard my story that she could now go back and learn to swim and maybe do something. Oh, awesome. Now that's a story. Yeah. So you're hearing these stories from people firsthand about how you're, what you've done has positively impacted or changed their lives. Absolutely. That's very cool. Absolutely. That, that's the encouraging thing because I, I, I have a real problem with the way our country treats senior citizens. I mean, 90% of the ads on TV are some sort of drug for somebody who has an ailment, yes. you know? Yes. I find that real offensive. And, uh, and I find it even more offensive that people believe them because they are uneducated in that area. In a sense, they think that if something hurts, they have to take something or they have to have a knee brace or they have to have a, and I, I really hate that, you know, what they're doing to seniors. And yeah. And I, so, and your proof of what an active lifestyle can do to subvert all of that. Absolutely. And, uh, and I, and I see that every time I talk to someone, it's why, why I'm doing this. A big reason why I'm doing this is I want to change how, how people view seniors. I want to change how people view anyone who's a little bit older. And I want to change how, how older people view themselves and what they can do. Absolutely. Talking to people like you, I think is so helpful because just, just hearing these Store, first-hand stories from people who are living active lives and not just active lives, but pursuing competitive goals, productive lives, productive lives. And you're up there, you're up there climbing ladders. Like you're being very physical just in your life. It's not always about throwing a shot put for you. You're able to, to you're mobile and you're active and you're productive and and that all contributes to everything you're doing. So, and the thing of it is, is uh you know, people, people our age, we're, we're still alive for a reason. Yes. Uh, you know, we've made some choices with our life and, um, and it should benefit those that are younger. You know, we should all be in a place where we have the op- opportunity to motivate people to their best. Yes. And, um, I have a ministry here. Uh, I rent rooms out and we get a lot of people coming out of jail. We get a lot of people in the middle of divorce. We get people that are just passing from one they're transitioning from one aspect of life to another and um we really try to motivate them uh to pursue dreams that they had uh before they got derailed and um and so that's that's kind of been what this ministry has been for about 20 years so i guess i just took my own advice 
Yes. Um, but but we really we really try to change people's opinions, and and I'm kind of I'm kind of exactly where you are, um, because people have no idea when people say they're discriminated against in this day and age. I just want to laugh because if they could have ever seen where people have come from, yeah, what people have overcome whether you're a man or a woman or black or white or whatever it is, everybody has something in their life they have to overcome. And there needs to be a credit given for the fact that people who survive, who are still fierce, who still get up every day, who are still productive. And I think that the people 70 years and over are probably at this point in our country, the most untapped resource we have. And so it's time for us to start tapping that resource and listening to absolutely to people who are over 70 and people like you and your stories. And I, I love that you have taken your own story and I, and, and, and helped people with it. And I think that's the, the best thing anyone can do is take their own life experience and use that to help others. And so I'm really glad that you're doing that. I'm really grateful that you're doing that. Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I think like you do and, and, and that is, you know, it's, it's, it's never over. That's right. If we can kindle the hope of in people's hearts, it's never over. You know, I, I watched, there's a lady in Baton Rouge, I think she's 102 years old. I mean, I watched her sprint at the at the senior games. She sprinted, uh, I, I don't know what they have for them, maybe a 30-yard or 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. But she ran at 102 years old. I may need to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, um, if you look up. In the roster there, you'll see her. She's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The first time I saw her was uh, when I went to the Louisiana Senior Olympics. And I'm going, Jesus, what's my, what is my excuse? What is my problem? You know, this woman is 102 years old and she's out here running. You know, what is your problem, Liz? I mean, you know. Yeah, that's it. You got to do it now. Yeah. You got you got at least 30 years in this sport, you know, at the rate you're going. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's how I look at when I talk to people who are, you know, I've been lately, I've been talking to people in their 60s to 80s and I'm like, and I'm 43 and I'm like, okay, I'm just getting started then. I got a lot of time. This is exciting. Hey, so yeah. every time I have that nagging voice, it's like, you're too old for this. I have to remember all these conversations I've had that it's like, no, 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 no. I'm young. I'm just getting started. And you know what? It, age is don't you think age is a state of mind? Age is absolutely a state of mind. Yeah. Age is, age is how you feel. And the more active you are, the younger you will feel. So yeah. don't let this arbitrary number that we're given define. And these rules, these arbitrary rules based on these numbers define how we live. Absolutely. So speaking, let's, let's get into advice. What advice would you give to someone who may be thinking of trying a, a new sport at a more advanced age, whether they had a background like you where you were active when you were younger, or maybe they haven't done anything at all. What advice would you have for those people? You know, um, you need to, you need to find somebody that's doing what you want to do. Uh, that's, that's the first thing I do. I would go look for somebody in my community or someone near me, uh, that is doing what I want to do and just visit with them and see if, uh, it stirs your blood uh, and encourages you to want to go try it. Um, if it's like a, a running event or something or opening a new business or whatever, I mean, you know, whatever you aspire to do, find somebody that's doing it, watch them, study them and, uh, somebody who's successful at what you want to do and, and then try it. And, um, anybody can get out and walk. Anybody can get out and run. Um, other other events, other things, you know, they take they take some some coaching and some help and and some spending money to buy the implements and things. But but anybody can get out and 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 walk or run and just, uh, you know, it's like my my pastor is eighty something years old and I and he was an incredible ping pong player and I said you're crazy not to try this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there are gifts that all of us had at one point and sometimes in the senior Olympics, if you can outlive everybody, you can win. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> yeah. I so mean, just live long you know, enough. <laughs> if, if you just, if you, you know, you may not have been a great runner, but at 90 years of age, you may be a speed demon. That's right. <laughs> you know, what? you know, so you, you can give up and you cannot 
disregard your own dream. You cannot be allowed to talk yourself out of the dream that's in your heart. Not until you make a 100% effort to pursue it. You just can't do it. Amen to that. Amen. Oh, I'm fired up right now. Like, as soon as I get off the phone with you, I want to go for a run or go lift some heavy weights at the gym or go go hit a trail. Like, you got me fired up right now, Liz. <laughs> yeah, well, you just, life, I tell you, life is, 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 I tell you, life is what you go looking for. That's, That's what right. life is. That's right. Go look for what you love. Go look for what you love. That's amazing. Uh, and. I feel like that's that's where we should end it. I I don't know. I I I was going to ask that's if you had fine. a parting piece of wisdom, but I think you just gave it to me. Go go look for what you love. That's it, and surround yourself with it. That's that's yes. the key. Oh, Liz, this has been great. <laughs> uh, I'm so fired up right now. Um, if someone wants to learn more about you, is there a way they can do that? Are you on social media or any anywhere? I'm on Facebook, and uh, it's under Liz Liz Sharp. Okay. My full name's my full name's Elizabeth, but I am on Liz Sharp. I am on social media. I have been very slow to do a web page, but web pages are out now. That's right. It's all social media now. It's all Facebook and Instagram yeah. these days. I'm learning that. Yeah. So uh, I am on Facebook, and uh, I have pictures on Facebook uh, every once every every Veterans Day. I usually post a picture of me in uniform, and. Uh, and I've, I've put the pictures, a couple of pictures from Birmingham, and I also went to the Master Games in uh, because they were in Baton Rouge, okay? The uh, the United States Track and Field, the Federation Championships, Outdoor Fe- uh, Senior Championships. Yeah, my friends at the Senior Olympics talked me into going down there. Nice. And, uh, and you know, it's funny what you forget. It's It's really funny what you get forget. So I made some serious errors down there, uh, that affected my performance, but you, you forget the things that you're supposed to do, like hydrate yourself. Oh, the basics. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when you're sitting out in a hundred degrees and you're waiting yeah. three hours to compete and you forget to, to, you know, you, you don't, you don't drink when you're thirsty you systematically you drink before you uh, hydrate yeah thirsty right, means right. it's too late yeah and so i made some critical mistakes down there uh that you wouldn't make if you're competing all the time but i i think if i can get back into it then we'll see what happens yeah and you learn every time like now you know now you remember and the next time you go back to a, a situation where it's hot like that you'll know to drink to, to hydrate so you learn I'll, I'll remember, yeah. Yeah, you learn every single time. So awesome. So look for Liz Sharp on Facebook if you want to see more and learn more about her. I'll be adding you on Facebook so I can uh, celebrate you when the podcast comes out. Uh, which I do appreciate that. Which when people are listening, it would be now, you know, <laughs> if you're actually listening yeah. to this. So um, cool. And so Liz, thank you so much for being on the Season Athlete Podcast. I want to thank you for your service in the military. I want to thank you for rekindling that athletic spirit and and finding your way back into competition and becoming an inspiration for your community for everyone around you and now for listeners of this show all over the world so i want to thank you for for doing all of that because uh if you fired me up right now i know that people listening are going to be fired up too so um thanks for reminding us that we should never give up on our dreams it's never too late to pursue them and thank you for sharing your story with us today well i'll tell you it is it has been my privilege thank you all right seasoned athletes before we go here are my top three takeaways from liz sharp number one if there's something that you want to do sport or otherwise find someone who is doing that thing successfully and talk to them learn from them and see if it continues to excite you and if it does get out and try it Number two, people who are over 70 are an untapped resource in this country. There's so much that can be learned and so much motivation that can be gained from people who are older and have overcome adversity, discrimination, and challenges in their lives. And number three, there is no upper age limit on your dreams. Just because your dream may have been derailed at some point like Liz's dream was, it doesn't mean it's over for you. To that end, you cannot be allowed to disregard your dream. No matter how much time has passed, you owe it to yourself to pursue it. Thanks again to Liz Sharp. Thank you for listening to the Season Athlete Podcast. 
The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. This episode has been brought to you by Audible, where you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash athlete. Living in LA, I spend a lot of time on the road, and I don't have much time at home to get any reading in. So I love downloading books from Audible so I can listen on my commute or on the long drive to and from my weekend races. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player, including some that have been authored by previous season athlete guests like Catherine Switzer and Lee DiPietro. Definitely check those books out, by the way. They are awesome. To get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, go to audibletrial.com slash seasonedathlete or visit seasonedathlete.me and click on Audible Trial right there on the main menu. Be sure to follow us on social, Season Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know of someone who would be a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow season athletes, because you know what? You so can.